longest it's ever taken to go live. Spinning. Showtime. Not a good yes. time. Oh, there we go. All right. You may have seen me just standing still for 10 seconds, y'all. I'm really sorry, but welcome. Come on in, everybody. Uh, Thursday, 201 Central PM, day after Tesla earnings. I'm joined by the great Alexandra Mertz and Gary Black. Thank you both very much for joining me. It's about 24 hours, uh, roughly 24 hours since uh, Tesla came out with their earnings report. Uh, we had Gary on our live stream yesterday. Thank you very much, Gary, for joining us. And we had Ross and a host of other folks, Yashu, Nicholas, Matt, Bradford. Uh, we're supposed to have Alexandra as well. Uh, and we also had Ross. We're also supposed to have Alexandra as well. But I know Alexandra had some um, sort of something's happened on our end from a technical standpoint, but that's completely fine. But we have her on today. So thank you both very much. And uh, we'll kick off with Alexandra since you were, uh, we wanted you on so badly yesterday, but we couldn't make it work. But that's completely fine. We'll use your face for the thumbnail anyway. <laughs> exactly. Abuse it. <laughs> it's all good. Um, we didn't, so we didn't get your take yesterday about either the earnings report or the call. Maybe we'll start with you. Give us your thoughts on the on the report and the call, and then we'll uh, head over to Gary, get his thoughts on the call, and then we'll just uh, ter- turn into conversation from there. So I'll, I'll give you the mic. Thank you. I think it's actually good I had uh, 24 hours to digest it because initially – I always seem to first see the bad and then, you know, it sort of sinks in. And then, you know, the one thing I'm not, I'm not a trader. I'm not an immediate analyst. I always need a bit of time to digest stuff. And I think I'm quite good once I have time to digest it. So I'm pleased I had that. Um, we'll discuss in, in detail later, but I actually thought this wasn't a bad call at all. Uh, you remember I wanted um, Elon not to be on the call. I still would have preferred. But one thing, Farzad, I mean, you with all your... Um, insights into tesla you have to get their mics and their setup straightened <laughs> out i mean this is the worst quality uh investor calls i've ever heard i mean this is the fifth largest company in the world striving to become number one get the mic set them up the way it should be it, it, Elon, hit me possible. up i'll send you some mics bro exactly <laughs> that's why i put it we'll at the beginning because he'll never listen an hour to me but <laughs> rob that by well it was my mission of the day get them straightened it would be my out honor my honor i'll do it for free I love to do it. Yeah, you go. I send I send the mics, and I'm sure Kathy uh, jumps in as well to help me. Yeah. No problem, Perfect. but get this Perfect. done. Um, so, because honestly, for me, it took time. I listened to it sometimes twice afterwards. Once it was, I had the recording. There's stuff I still don't understand because it just hashed out and whatever, and that's a shame. That's just a shame. So. Um, I liked it. I liked it because stock buybacks are on the table. I liked it for a couple of other reasons. I'll let Gary jump in with his overall appreciation, and I think then we should hash it out line by line, right? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Gary. What are your thoughts? So Tesla's down about 7% today. You know, the market's you know down maybe a little less than 50 base points. That's, that's wrong. Um, if you look at the earnings estimates, they came down about 2%. So I think a lot of this is just people worrying about Elon having to sell shares, um, you know, basically fund Twitter. And, you know, what we've heard today, and we've heard it from more than one person that, you know, they're, they're actually going out trying to raise more third-party equity. You know, if they can do it, they have about $7 billion in the deal. And Elon probably, we, we estimate Elon's got to cough up about another $5 billion or so, assuming he can't use margin. If they can raise more third-party equity, even though Elon said in a call yesterday he was overpaying for Twitter, um, you know, then maybe he won't have to sell. And I, I think that's what's overhanging the stock. That's what we call the Twitter overhang. And again, it's very interesting that the analysts haven't really cut estimates all that much. So I find that a good sign. I think the earnings themselves were just kind of, you know, they weren't great. 
They missed on automotive gross margin, which is next to volumes, probably the most important thing. They missed by about 3%. They were 26.8, um, and the street was looking for 27.7, so about 3% miss. Um, and yet, on the call, I actually thought the call was pretty good. You know, Zach came out and said, and whether you believe them or not, they're, they're, they're going to be just under 50% year-over-year deliveries growth, which, you know, if you say 47, 48, that's a much bigger number than what the street's looking at today. It's about 460, 470, maybe even 480. Street's about 430 after today. So that's potentially a big beat. And then I thought, you know, some of the things they talked about on the on the call were were, were, were good. And, you know, they, they talked about semi. They talked about, you know, 50,000 units by 2024. I think the surprise for me and the most um, positive thing was they were talking about the new, I call it the $30,000 EV, mm. you know, it's half price of the Y. Whether it's called a robo taxi or not, it doesn't matter. If it's going to be a $30,000 car, uh, what, what they said, which again, believe them or not, it's going to have more volume than all the other units combined. That would be very positive. Um, I mean, nobody, not, nobody really expects it to be that powerful. So I thought the call itself was better. And then, you know, as Alexandra said, they, they definitely are leaning toward a buyback. They said, we have to have the right process, which having been on a board before, two boards, you know, you can't you can't just put a buyback in place. You got to get approval. You got to go through the, the reasoning for it. You got to go through the IRR. You know, and and maybe they just didn't have time to do that. So I thought that was positive. Um, so I think you know the stock price, like I said, being down six percent when the rev revisions are down two, that's not right. So that's got to be the Twitter overhang. If they can close yeah. the Twitter overhang without Elon selling stock, that would be a home run. So let's see how that plays out next week. So Elon can sell not earlier than tomorrow, right? It's the two days after the earnings call that they can't Monday. sell. You know, I don't know officially. That's my experience in past companies I've worked with that worked for, that when you own stock, and I've been a CEO before, um, you'd have to wait at least a day after the earnings. So if you put out earnings Wednesday afternoon, you got to give the market a day to figure it out. And then you could sell on Friday. Some companies, I know like Apple and Google and others, they make you wait till the following week. So, it, it so I remember when I was working there, it was Monday. It was always the Monday after. That's when so, it opened up. That's yeah. the maybe Monday. And look, I, I've i gotten into, you know, back and forth with some Twitter Uber bulls who say, well, he's just going to use margin. <laughs> I don't know if he can use margin. And you know, look, there was about um, 13 or 12 billion of margin in the original deal. Then they cut it to six and they cut it out. So there could be margin left. But people have to remember the stock price is down 42, 43% since then. And he sold, he sold between, you know, he sold two tranches in April and August. He sold about 10% of his shares. So anyway, you figure it, his margin capacity is about 50% of what it was. And again, I don't know how much of the margin capacity is. I know that Tesla has a rule. You can't have more than 25% of your Tesla value in margin. Mm -hmm. But I don't mm -hmm. know where he started from. I do know that uh, he's pledged now 57% of his shares. But who knows if he's taken anything out. So we don't know, but it, it, it sounds to me, again, when you've got people telling me that, you know, the private wealth office is out trying to get people to put more money into Twitter, more third-party equity into Twitter, yeah. that that could happen other than, you know, I was on the call yesterday saying we're overpaying. So. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there will be people who just trust who, whatever he does and who will put sure. money in. And, and I mean, I have heard, I haven't personally been approached but i have heard of people getting deals 
if they go in there, they may have first tranches of stalling and whatever. So it's only hearsay. I can't make sure that you know this is really true or not. But uh, there seem to be a couple of a uh, couple of options on the table. Yeah. So look, if Elon doesn't, I'll, I'll get to the bottom line. If he doesn't have to put any more money in, you know, the stock could be. And if he were to go out and say that, you know, I'm done selling, the stock could be up, you know, ten percent in a day. And I, mm -hmm. I still believe that once the deal is done, assuming it gets done next Friday and there's no delays, the overhang lifts, assuming it gets done, and the stock could go up 5 to 10%. Now, that's not great given that it's down 45% since he bought or went to buy Twitter, but mm -hmm. it's still better than where we are today if it goes up 5 or 10%. So. Sure, sure. We're going to take, uh, we're going to take. So let me, exactly. Let me get back to stock buyback. So why did I like that? First of all, I think that puts a lid for a long, long time on any stock issuance because there are still people imagining stock issuance, and it could also actually limit now stock issuance for employee um, remunerations, right? I just think that they're now in a completely other logic. You probably have seen that they have now also a proposal for a cash um, incentive rather than the stock. They, you can still have the stock incentive, but it's second choice. Um, so I do believe the whole stock issuance is off the table, which changes quite a lot of um, quite a lot of analyst projections who still had stock issuance as you know more further dilutions as a as a scenario oh that brings me actually to one thing i still wanted to say didn't you all think this was absolutely ridiculous that martin we had to put out a new analyst spreadsheet <laughs> two days before because there are some of these big head wall street analysts who didn't account correctly for the stock split i mean three to one they couldn't put that into their excel spreadsheet didn't you think that was i mean the most ridiculous thing i've seen for a while yeah, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have just excluded those people that didn't do it because I'm sure there weren't more than a couple. I wouldn't have republished that. I would have just taken them out and said, you screwed up and we're not going to include your numbers. And look, the analysts wouldn't have cared. That that to me would have been better. But again, in hindsight, <laughs> you know, he had a dollar nine estimate and it brought it down to a dollar. So in hindsight, knowing where we you know ended up, maybe maybe there was a reason for doing that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I would have done it that way. I agree with you. That that was not something I've seen before. Okay, good. Well, let's put it there. So no more stock issuance. We're now on a path to a buyback. I guess we don't have any hope anymore for fourth quarter. It's rather 2023 now, right? I mean, maybe. I, I just, you know, I just feel the stock is so depressed now. It's a shame to not buy back at these yeah. levels. But uh, you know, if we wait another quarter or two, because Q4, we'll talk a bit later, uh, is probably going to be much better than lots of analysts are anticipating. And by the time then we are in 2023, given that the basic idea seems to be approved, now can they still make it happen in Q4? Look, they could, and maybe Elon's trying to manage expectations. Um, you know, they probably, if, if they're like most companies, they have a board meeting each month and they'll, you know, they'll have one in November, they'll have one in December. So, it's possible they could still do the buyback in December. To your point, if I was, you know, on the on the board, I would want them to be buying the stock when it's cheap. And right now, it's very cheap. So to your point, if you get to January and you announce, let's just make up a number, four hundred and seventy thousand of deliveries in the streets at four thirty, stock is not going to be at two hundred seven. Um, and maybe they're taking a long term perspective and saying, you know, which they should, you know, even if we buy it at two forty, if it's going to five hundred or five fifty or six hundred it's still a steal. So I, I think, again, when you read the, the read back the transcript, to your point, it's, it's not always easy to understand what they were saying, but the transcript made it sound like they want to have a process. And it sounds like 
you know, maybe they presented it to the board, they talked about it, but the board said, this is, this something needs to be uh, flushed out a little bit more because boards don't like being sued. You know, if the stock went down a lot from here and they bought back a lot, you know, maybe they would get sued. Who knows? I just, I just think boards like process, even if they're <laughs> friendly to Elon. And so I think that's probably why they, they didn't do it yesterday. And I could see it happening in the fourth quarter to your point, it's better to buy it when it's cheap than when it's up at, you know, 250 or 260. Yeah, and I tried to make this point. I just, I just saw that in the comments as well. Last time they issued in December 2020, the stock was at the equivalent of today of 213, right? So I just think it would be a good sign to everybody saying, okay, we issued at 213. We're now buying back below 213 because we just think, you know, that there's really a, uh, an opportunity to be had. And uh, I mean, I had addressed did via I, mean, I know you did a great letter and, and leo did a lot of work on it as well but i'd address some of my tweet to 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 martin saying look that's where we are to 13 to to i think we were two or four that day so i still hope that rings a bell hero and martin seem to be you know receptive to the idea of at least from the feedback we're getting so i i'm still i'm still hopeful and let me just jump in one thing that wasn't addressed yesterday because i think nick asked the question and then ross um, answered it in a awkward way. Um, that is that timing of S&P. Remember, Gary, we already discussed this one, how, how early that was. And I still believe it was that early because there's now some talk between, even if it's informal discussions between Tesla and, um, and uh, um, S&P, which would allow a bond issuance in a organized manner. If, if we're talking now organized manner, which is a new thing for Tesla, uh, right? But there we are. So um, I actually do also believe that um, Moody's can now upgrade because Moody's member had that stupid analogy that we needed more products. Well, the semi is obviously on its way. Um, the 30,000 costs starting to be addressed. The cyber truck was confirmed for next summer. So they could pretend doing a press relief today or tomorrow saying, okay, we also upgrade because they will upgrade. They will upgrade between now and January for sure. Um, they just need to find a cute moment to not look too ridiculous to do it now. How, how important is that, Alejandro, to see a non-split rating? So right now you got S&P with investment grade, you know, um, triple B, you know, which is really two, two, two levels above Moody's. How important is it to have them both on the same uh, rating. I mean, we always discussed how how the ones that still need investment grade are, you know, the more conservative fund allocators, the ones that go through committees, the ones that you know have to take this decision in a much slower manner than a hedge fund manager or or how you manage your portfolio, whatever. They're just people that are fiduciary risk uh, is higher. They they have old standards and whatever. And in those old books, it was a double, a double investment grade. That's what actually was the way Fitch could make money because they typically jumped on rating companies that had not similar ratings by S&P and Moody's so that Fitch could provide that second investment grade rating for those companies. And that's how they became the third rating agency in the market. So I do believe it would be good to have it and we will have it. There is no doubt Moody's will upgrade, but because they are, the, the analyst of Moody's, René Lipsch, I mean, we've all now got to know him. He's a follower. 
the, the analyst of S&P was much more knowledgeable and now seems to suddenly get it all. So Moody's can't just lay back and say, we're stubborn, we don't know this stock and we're not going to talk about this issue. They will do it. Uh, would it help if there is a bond issuance out there? Of course it would. But I mean, I hear, I hear when Elon says we've done such a great job of not having debt. Do we really need to get that now? I mean, it wouldn't really ruin anything for them having a five a five billion loan outstanding, right? There's nothing, just absolutely nothing compared to their cash flow. So uh, I'm I'm still thinking that's a financial engineering decision rather than a you know political statement of being for or against that. But uh, if they want to do it or not do it, that doesn't matter to me. Well, back back to yesterday. So there was two things that I didn't mention. I don't think I mentioned when people. Somebody asked me what was positive about it, and I couldn't come up with anything. There were two things. One you brought up was that the share creep that you always see at Tesla going um, from one quarter to the next, there was none. It was basically flat uh, quarter over quarter, which was very positive. And then the cash flow was much higher. I looked at what the street was looking for. It was $3.3 billion after all CapEx. That was bigger than my numbers, bigger than the street. So you know, back to your point, they really don't need the cash. But if they wanted to buy back stock, and they wanted to do an accelerated buyback, which you see a lot of those, that's when you, you'd issue some debt, right? Exactly. So, and and we don't know. We we Maybe Elon and Zach wanted to get it approved before um, the quarter, who knows? And, you know, so S&P was asked to move early because, you know, they, they probably got paid something to, to do a review. And it just didn't happen because the board said, um, you know, we, we need more process. So, mm -hmm. That's back to your question. Could it happen in November, December? Absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, to put it all together to see, say, a $5 billion bond offering to do an accelerated buyback rather than do it over, say, a year. Exactly. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think a side effect of all that would be that institutional investors that have been conservative on Tesla would maybe first enter into the bond. You know, it, it when you know how these people act, it has to go through credit committees. It has to be, you know, the whole analysis. It's the same analysis for bond issuance. If they can get a, what's today's 10-year rate, 4% plus 2% spread, if they can get a 6% bond on Tesla being triple B rated, that may be their first step getting into the name, feeling comfortable about it, and afterwards buying the stock. Yeah. I, maybe a technical question on the uh, buyback sort of mechanic that Tesla is going to be putting forward. So as I think about the dilution, say in the next, maybe this is a, a tough answer, a question to answer, but say through to five years, maybe through 2030, do I, how would, should I think about that dilution? Should I just say, assume that the shares from the, once the buyback is in place, that the shares basically stay static. So when I'm trying to say, oh, no, come no. up with it, no, oh, it's, it's going to go down over time. Yes. It's going to go down. That's what we want. And that's why we want, you know, we want this pizza to be the same size, but our stake in it being a little bit yeah. bigger. I just thought with uh, with Tesla sort of issuing the, the shares every quarter, you know, for compensation or whatever, and then with the buyback mechanic being in place that they somehow would would even out. But I guess we're saying that the buyback theoretically should uh, uh, really reverse dilution and then we each get a bigger piece of the pie. So it would be one of the optimal sort of like outcomes yeah. from this buyback, correct? Which, which, brings me, which brings me to one of the Reuters press releases of this morning, which drives me crazy. I mean, I see Reuters of the red but the, so the 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 press release was that there is now one of those activist groups that want to link the future 
compensation package of Elon, because we've come to the yeah. end of this one, uh, to ESG goals, which obviously just drives me absolutely crazy for 50 reasons, right? Uh, but the one thing where they're right is there is a new compensation package to be discussed. And that, so the whole question is as well, because he had so big chunks of it and he deserves so big chunks of it. That's not my point. How does that all filter into buybacks? Because obviously his shares also improve, also get their little kick out of the, the stock buyback. But if there are new massive number of new shares issued, how will that play in? And I have no answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised we haven't gotten a stock uh, based comp for Elon yet? Because he should be hitting his goals by the end of this quarter, right? Shouldn't we see something from the board soon? Yeah, well, and how is they're, that going to impact the, the stock too? I'm curious. Yeah, there there are about nine billion to be allocated, which is funny, which is about the amount you know we're talking about Twitter. So you you just wonder because mm. we got to those goals, and there was no question yesterday about it and no news about it. So yes, I okay. actually had a, a very go ahead go ahead because you know that better than me. No, we'll see in the ten Q. I mean, if if they awarded him more. I don't, I don't, I don't remember if they've ever like pre-announced it, but it's always in a 10Q. And when is the 10Q out? In two weeks? Usually, back? no. Usually within a couple of days. You know, okay. usually within two or three days, maybe Monday, or it could be out tomorrow. It's well, that would be quick. a good it because if he gets now nine billion more, that was what so increases the stock count again. But he has more stock to sell, whatever. Okay. That, that, yeah. So I guess we'll see. in theory, mm -hmm. yeah, his margin capacity goes up, and in theory, then you know he has more that he can borrow from whoever you know is holding his stock. And again, I don't want to count on that. I know a lot of the the bulls, the super bulls, are counting on that. But he, he going back to the call yesterday, he acted. I mean, he was pumping the stock. You know, he kept he on talking about that, all these things. Yeah. And you know, I I don't usually hear CEOs <laughs> do that. So to me, it's kind of like he was trying to at least get the stock up a little bit so that if he had to sell stock, if he couldn't, if he wasn't going to be successful at raising new equity, he at least wouldn't be selling it at, you know, terrible price. But he is selling it at a terrible price. At 206, you know, who 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 among us would have said it was 206, you know, in April when he went after Twitter, it was um, it was 11.45 divided by three. So it was like $380. You know, it's gone by yeah. almost four which is crazy. Yeah. And that he, was the basis of his offer, right? And he knew he had the liquidity associated with that price. Yeah. And he, look, he sold, he sold, you know, this is a pre-split. He sold, um, I want to say 17.6 million. So let's call it 53 million shares, you know, in, in today's share count, you know, at 870. So almost $300 a share. You know, he sold a tranche in April and then he sold another tranche in August. You know, so hey, look, if I'm him and he's been pretty good at, you know, when he has sold, he sold it pretty good, pretty well. I wouldn't want to sell the 206. I'd much rather, you know, get more third party equity or try to get a margin loan on it if I could. Mm. I just don't know yeah. if he's got that capacity at this point. Okay. So let's get back to production versus delivery, just because, you know, I, I, I hear you all the time saying Wall Street doesn't care about production, they care about delivery. And yesterday we heard all this talk about we have to smoothen out, it won't be the Q, uh, quarter end pushes. I actually think there will be a quarter end push for Q4, but we'll see. Um, and so what are your expectations for, for Q, uh, Q4? Do you think this whole warehousing and then having more inventory is really happening? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? 
Well, we've heard that before. We've heard that they've talked about getting out of this, you know, quarter end delivery wave. And, you know, we knew the numbers they gave you. So you said um, two thirds goes out in the last month of the quarter. Zach said this. And one third goes out in the last two weeks. We knew that. I, I used to have debates with um, who was it, David Einhorn about this because he always thought that they were, you know, channel stuffing it for, for lack of a better word. And it's just the way it works, right? You're, 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 you got these orders, you're trying to get them out by the end of the quarter. And, you know, so as you try to take that away and smooth it out to your point, and it looks like they're just doing it in Europe and China so far. So you got to load them on the boats and you try to smooth out the delivery. So you don't have that big push on the last month. I don't know. They may chicken out. They may say, you know, we need to, you know, again, hit our numbers as we get to the end of the quarter, especially given that they laid out a goal and Zach laid it out, and Zach's actually yeah. got credibility saying we can get to just under 50% growth year over year, which I'm not sure why the market didn't pay attention to that. That's an important number if people believe it, because mm -hmm. the street the street is not believing. The street's at 430 today, maybe 428. And, you know, if you look at like Adam Jonas, who's their banker, Morgan Stanley, and there is a Chinese wall between banking and research, he's at 400 for the fourth quarter. So he's down with truck. I would bet most of the buy side is probably around 400. So if they, you know, want to deliver 460, 480, you know, you're right. They may have another fourth quarter delivery push, you know. And then what's offsetting that, though, is you got in the U.S., you've got the EV credit. So you got a lot of people who are in line right now that would probably rather wait until January 1st because, again, if they qualify, they can get an additional $7,500. So I'm interested to see what they offer people. And again, I told the story yesterday. I had a friend of mine who's got money. He's in our business and he's talking about whether or not he should wait. And I said to him, I said, you're not going to qualify for it anyway. So what do you care? <laughs> so, so he went back and he was trying to negotiate that he would get something if he took delivery now. And I don't, I don't know if he got anything. So mm -hmm. I, I think the delivery wave is a good thing to have. I mean, it's a good thing to get rid of, to smooth it out. I just don't know if they're going to be successful at it. It's hard to get rid of it. Did you see that news about that huge, huge warehouse in Illinois that they're trying to or did purchase no. or render? I don't know what that is. I don't even know where I mean, it, it is. Exactly. And that brings me to actually one question, and, and I may not have heard it all. I tried to listen to it twice, but they didn't announce any new factory, right? They didn't announce this wasn't wasn't no. this supposed to be the call we weren't supposed to have end of the year, all this news about new new um, expansions, China, America, Canada, I don't know what. We haven't had it yet. And so, I, you know, people say the UK is a spot that you might have a new factory, Canada, and in some place in the eastern United States. I don't know if um, Illinois, you know, is eastern United States. To me, it's the Midwest. To me, it's not that different from being in Austin. If you're going to do eastern United States, you, you know, you go to Pennsylvania, you go to, you know, you know some lower tax state. But wouldn't Illinois be a good warehouse for Canada if they do? I mean, I'm really bad in geography. I don't think this so is for I'm cars. I think this is for parts. I think this yeah. is for service. I, I don't okay. think. Yeah, I don't think this is this is the factory that they're talking about. But that is a catalyst that once they announce a new gigafactory, I think some people will be relieved because it's very hard to get to Elon's numbers. You know, if he's saying 20 million units by, you know, yeah. 2030, unless he really starts building up, you know, at least one gigafactory every two years, you know, and he's, he's, you know, he, he has to announce something soon because look, Berlin and Austin have now been in existence for, you know, a year and a half, a year, let's call it. Aren't you both surprised? I mean, Fazad knows it inside much more. Aren't you both surprised by the 
what I feel relatively slow ramp of Berlin and Austin. I mean, I don't want to say anything negative, but I was actually surprised we're only at 2,000 cars a week now. Yeah, we got spoiled by China because China was uh, yeah. within hmm. 10, 11 months. It was pretty much, it wasn't fully up ramp, but it was doing very, very well. I'd say better than, than both, both of these are. I don't know if it has to do with the 4680. You know, first they were going to use 4680, then they weren't. I, I don't know if that's the reason or it's just... It's just been a slow ramp, but China was, they, we got spoiled by China. Yeah, hmm. I think I think it's slow within the context of Tesla. I think within any other manufacturer, I think Berlin and Austin are probably ramping at a decent pace, but because of China, to Gary's point, that was so mind-blowingly fast. It really just mm -hmm. talks to, you know, Elon, I think brought it up multiple times on calls where he was just so uh, impressed by the Chinese team. And, I, and now I know, now we know why. <laughs> it's because, yeah. you know, they're able to get China to that level. Um, I do, what I was, what I have been a little bit surprised by is I do, I did think Austin would be beyond where Berlin has been right now. Yeah. I am surprised mm -hmm. by Berlin being ahead because there's usually a lot more regulations around labor laws and, you know, how many hours you can spend in the factory and, and more bureaucracy. And the fact that that, uh, factory has been, uh, you know, quote unquote outperforming, uh, Austin to this point. I mean, maybe they're like, uh, cause Austin did open a little bit later. So maybe they're like at the same level, if you sort of like, you know, timeline adjust, but, um, yeah, I just think Gary's point is, is the right one, is that we were spoiled by China and maybe Austin and Berlin is what we should, what we should expect. Uh, but I am curious to see as Austin really gets to sort of uh, full ramp, you know, once they get to the hopefully a million cars per year and, and you know, in the next couple of years or, or longer, uh, what does that sort of S-curve look like? Because then we can use that to sort of maybe extrapolate the new Gigafactory that's going to be announced hopefully in the next couple of months here. And it'll be a useful data point because I don't think Shanghai is going to be, uh, you know, it, it appears to have been just a uh, uh, an outlier as far as how to ramp. And then you also have to think about, I think Shanghai was also uh, at a time where Tesla needed to get that ramp up because they wanted to start generating that cash. So now that they have mm -hmm. that, that cushion and maybe from a financial perspective, there isn't that sort of like do or die attitude from we have to get this thing up right now. Otherwise, we're going to be sort of we're not going to be able to justify our stock price and we're all going to be really sad. And, you know, we might go bankrupt, who knows, in the long term. So. Um, yeah, I just think there was maybe a different level of fire behind that uh, factory yeah. versus these. And these but are I, I hear you. I, ju I just wonder whether, you know, now launching in Austin, obviously a Cybertruck, because if they want to deliver in next summer, it has to get into place now. I just wonder if they have, you know, the, the ramp concluded in Austin for the Y by then, because then they want to start straight away the 30,000 or whatever it's going to be called car um just I, I feel there's a lot happening given that the y isn't fully rammed in in both berlin and uh, and austin but i may be just impatient I, I i grant you that well you know look let's let's remember the environment we're in you've got still a lot of supply shortages when yeah. you when you're yeah. near gm and ford they're not making true. all the cars that they can make because of these supply shortages and again i think tesla's weathered that storm pretty well yeah. um i'd give it another couple quarters and the second point i'm making this is this is a very important point so they missed on auto gross margin. Um, and Zach said on the call, if you back out Berlin and Austin, so you just look at gross margin of Shanghai um, and Fremont, it was pretty near 30%. So people yep. should be using that number 30% yep. as they forecast at least into next year. And the street is not. The street's using like 29. I looked this morning. So, you know, that's a that's an upside if they can just, you know, get the thing ramped up the way they should. And it looks like they're, they're, I wouldn't call it accelerating, but it looks like they're getting closer to you know where they should be, 
And so I, I, I would give it another couple corners. I, I don't, I'm not worried about it at this point. Okay. It's yeah. not really good. I did highlight this comment too from Hans. Shanghai also didn't ramp up through COVID supply chain disruptions, and Gary you also true. mentioned. You know, so that's that's very very true. Right. And it, you know, who knows? Maybe in, once those things get alleviated fully, then we might see a quarter. A, a a quarter. It might be at five thousand. I think that was the original target was to be at five thousand a week by the end of the year, and yep. you know, they still may get there. I don't know. <laughs> that would be wishful thinking. Sure, we're only October. It, it, no doubt yeah. about it. So how did Could you I take the one, news? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, just one quick one, just on the on the margin question. So, and uh, around that cheaper car, that thirty thousand dollar car, or whatever. How do you think about margin for that platform, or is it too soon to think about? I don't know if that's where you're going, Alexandra, but uh, that's sort of my question that's coming up now because I'm trying to think. Okay, once this thing is out, it's fifty percent less cost theoretically 50% less price or some you know proportion of that, should we still expect the same level of margins for that vehicle? Or, or are you thinking about modeling that differently for your next few years, Gary? How do you think about that? Yeah, and well, as well. And again, so one of the negatives of yesterday was the average ASP, average selling place dropped. Um, and I can't really, and I've, you know, I, I inputted everything into my model and I still can't figure out why, but I, I could venture a guess that it was China volumes were higher as a percentage. And we know that China prices are lower than they are in the United States. Um, so right now, the ASP, average ASP X red credit is about 53 and a half. And that's down from 56 in the second quarter. And we know that the, we'll call it the gross profit X red credit is about 15. So it's about $38,000 uh, cost on average. So if we're going to have a, let's call it a $35,000 car, um, you know, <laughs> In order to get even close to you know the same gross margins, you're going to really have to bring the cost down to about you know let's call it you know 24, 25, 26, and so that's something. Hopefully, as they're working on you know this new platform, they're really focused on it, and they, they probably that's why they're saying they're not going to introduce it till 2024 at the minimum. So I think they can get there, and I think it's going to be huge. And you you know we haven't seen any pictures of it other than you know some. Journalists have come up with renderings, but if they can produce a thirty dollars to $35,000 Tesla with, let's call it even 250 miles of range and zero to 60 in, say, five seconds, I believe them that that could be more than all the other models combined. And it's going to mostly cannibalize Model 3, obviously. You know, it's mm -hmm. not going to cannibalize SX. It probably won't even cannibalize Y. But I, it will be huge, and, and nobody's expecting the volumes, at least on the street, to be that that huge where it's more than all the other ones combined so yeah. it, it, cost is the, is the bottom line yeah i, I agree with you it, it reminds me so much when when i was young the beetle came out from flag and, and really had this worldwide success of becoming you know the small car uh everywhere and they were able to produce it at such a high margin um, everywhere in the world, actually, they they produce in Brazil, they produce it in in Asia, everywhere, um, and 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 I do believe that's what's going to happen with that new car. But I agree with you that the big question is actually the margin, because if they want to keep everything running at a thirty percent automobile gross margin, that is going to be a, a hefty one for. Uh, small model and and it was actually a, a discussion a couple of weeks ago on twitter and i remember leo saying don't even go into that segment leave that to competitors and concentrate on the higher one but you're completely right gary that's where the volume will come from that that is just going to be the success story nobody will be able to compete with that one there's no bolt out there or nor no french yeah. electric car or anything or even the chinese that that are gonna compete with that car 
especially well, with any sort of margins that would make sense. It would have to sell. BYD BYD's got thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars cars, and they're but no margin. No, but their 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 margins are not twenty six, twenty seven percent. You're right; they're more yeah. like ten. But that's why I keep going back to the math. If if today you're at a fifty three ASP, <laughs> no, and and you're making fifteen, that's thirty eight. You got to get in order to be again roughly, let's call it thirty percent margin on a thirty five thousand dollar car. That's ten thousand dollars. Means you got to get your cost down to twenty five, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, this is where the engineers could help. I'm not sure how you do that, but. I'm sure there's a lot in the battery. I'm sure, you know, the manufacturing process is going to be much more simpler than the way it is today. And, and look, where you and where you manufacture, right? Yeah. Because we haven't heard about the expansion in China either. That that was yeah. on the table for a couple of months now. Where and will they man- manufacture that car? Mm-hmm. That's where you put it. You're not you're not going to put it in US. That's Oh, that's and not the, in Berlin either. <laughs> I can Berlin. tell you that. No. So, but yeah. I do think it's going to happen and I do think it'll be a big catalyst, but I don't think you're going to see it till at least 2024. I think 2023 is about Cybertruck, and that's going to be huge. It's going to be like Model Y because it doesn't really cannibalize your base business. So if they can mm-hmm. get it up and running and get you know 100, 150,000 units, you're not going to lose any volume from 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 three or Y. Cybertruck's a whole different form factor. It's about 20% of the market. And it, again, I remember when Model Y came out and all the bears were saying, well, it's just going to cannibalize Model 3. And I would I would get into these arguments where I say, no, it's a different category. It's an SUV or small SUV versus a sedan. And it's the same thing with Cybertruck. It is so different than anything else out there. And that, that should be, remember, we did a poll actually about a year ago. What should be their highest priority? That should be Tesla's highest priority right now is getting that Cybertruck out there. Do you, in your models, do you quantify Cybertruck for next year? Yeah, yeah. I put about 50,000 units in. 50,000. 50, I mean, the street, I, I mean, I can look at it. You guys want to talk and see where the street is. But I think it's, you know, it's, um, hold on. Let's see if I can find what the street's looking for. Okay. Um, yeah, the street in 2023, it's probably less than me. Um, and again, every the, the problem with Cybertruck, it keeps getting delayed. Okay, yeah, the streets at right now consensus is fifty-two for next year. Okay, so it's about the same than you. Right in okay. line. Yeah, but that's like and, even and- like people were saying semi. Why don't you ever talk about semi? And the reason is mm-hmm. it's tiny. I mean, relative to everything else, I mean, fifty thousand's nothing to sneeze at. They charge two hundred thousand dollars per semi. You know, that's that's ten billion. That's a big number. But here's the problem. Yeah. So the street has it in uh, their 2024 numbers. And again, why is the stock not up on stuff like this? Um, for 2024, now here, this is interesting. 2024, the street's only looking for 7,000 units of semi, right? That's it. Be more than that, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. it's more than that. <laughs> again, it's we're talking two years away, and I would still prefer that Cybertruck come out before the summer because it's got a much bigger TAM. Claire. Yeah. I like two hundred thousand dollars a truck that's beautiful and I'm sure the you know the margin's gonna be huge, but it's still you know the, the cyber truck market is twenty percent of the of the US market and probably twenty percent of the global market. So it's a huge TAM. Yeah. So but you do still think we can have announcements of new giga locations and, and all that during this fourth quarter or you think this is all now beginning of 2023 no i think look that's that's 
of all the objectives, you know, the buyback, um, you know, Cybertruck, that, that's the easiest one. You pick a you pick a spot, you know, you negotiate it and you go forward with it. I'm sure they've been working on it. And there's look, there's already been leaks about Canada um, and the UK. I, I just don't know which one of those is in first. I would love it if they had two of them. And, you know, let's go back to the buyback question, because I think people get confused about this. Buybacks are after all gigafactories. So if you were to run out of money, let's just suppose that you were to build four gigafactories in one year, and therefore you couldn't do a buyback. I'd be thrilled because the highest IRR is on a gigafactory. Sure. It's it's not the buyback. The buyback is once you've got all this cash coming in, after you've satisfied all the growth initiatives from the bot, from you know robo taxis, from Cybertruck, whatever, there's all this cash that's left over. It can only go into five different things. It can build up cash, it can pay down debt, maybe dividends, acquisitions, or buy. Those are the only five things you can use it for. And so you got to say, okay, if you got this cash, which is now $21 billion, and next year it'll go at $20 billion, right? Grew at 3.3 in this quarter. What are you going to do with all that cash? You can't just let it build up in cash at 4%. That's, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. shareholders would have a, not a revolt, but they would be like, well, why are you doing that? Why don't you just give it back to me? And so... I keep saying, you know, of all those things, you can, you can make acquisitions, and if most acquisitions don't work, but if you can find an acquisition that you know increases your vertical integration, like you know lithium mines or something like that, that that would be good, you know, as long as it's not, you know, too out of character and too expensive, and I think the most investors would respond favorably to that. But you know, to, to buy, like, let's suppose Elon instead of doing it himself said we're going to use Tesla cash to buy Twitter. People like me would have just given up. We just would say that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with anything. And so, like when it was good that he had the conversation. Yes, he's about the you know the X umbrella. Yeah. Um, which he said, look, there's not much overlap. I was very pleased to hear that because that's the way I think about it. As yeah. an institutional investor, you don't want to see boring company and SpaceX and Neuralink put together with Tesla because they all lose money. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what kind of multiple to put on something. And yeah, I would so much rather keep that stuff separate. And I'd rather yeah. even keep Twitter separate because Twitter, look, Twitter EBITDA is probably going to be less than a billion dollars next year. The interest expense is a billion three. You know, they're, they're losing a lot of people, which is good and it's bad. You know, it's it's good because they, they need to cut costs, but it's bad because there's probably some revenue attached to it. And at the end of the day, I just think it's going to be more of a mess than people imagine once he finally gets a hold of it. Well, a mess. And do you also worry about the distraction like Elon being more focused on Twitter or you think he just puts now new people in there and, and just supervises from far? He'll put a CEO in there, but it may be a thankless job, right? You put, you know, somebody who is a strong leader because, you know, a strong leader is going to be attracted to it. And look, strong leaders are attracted to Elon and, you know, the ability to work with one of the you know geniuses of the world, you know, the Thomas Edison you know, Steve Jobs of our generation, you know, a lot of people find that attractive. And I'm sure Elon will give him a ton of equity. Um, so he'll attract a good person. The question is, you know, can that person work for Elon when Elon wants to get involved and say you should do this, mm -hmm. that, and the other thing? And I just keep going back to, you know, people say, well, why are you so against Twitter? It's not that I'm against Twitter. I just want him focused on where his skill set is. He's an engineer. He's a product guy. He's a tech guy. And to me, Twitter's an advertising business. And He's a guy who hates advertising. He loathes it. And so I get that, yeah, he can use Twitter as his platform. But when he talks about Twitter, he talks about converting the model to fee-based. And look, as a user of Twitter, 
you know, and we, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, followers. It's very hard to get people to pay fees. If they, Come they on, we like super people. follow you. We pay five bucks to super I'm follow you. Plug your Twitter you know, right now. Here tiny, we go. It's a tiny number. It's a tiny, don't tiny number. Don't follow this guy. Maybe it's a Come tiny on. number, but but I Look, do believe Gary people Black. are prepared to pay for, for Twitter. I'm just there saying, as a percentage of revenue, it's tiny, and you're not yeah. going to get people to pay, you know, Twitter blue, super followers, all those things put together, it's never going to be a big number. It just isn't because people are used to getting it for free. And look, I'm, I'm grateful for everybody who super follows me. I'm sure everybody who does Twitter blue are very happy to get some money from it. I just don't think it's ever going to be a huge number. It's an advertising mm -hmm. model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. If he could well, we'll see. I mean, he, he has, has revolutionized different things. I think just adding payments to it is going to be the cash cow, right? If you get 3% of all payments that you, like Venmo does or whatever, that you filter through Twitter, that's going to be enormous, much bigger than anything else. Yeah, look, it's funny. He, he, he threw that burnt hair perfume up there. Hmm. First of all, is it for boys or girls? Do you know? Both. I think it's unisex. <laughs> Yeah. It's, okay. it's for so, burnt hair, and we're wondering whether it's your hair, hair that was burnt. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, he sold, he sold what did he sell, uh, 300,000 cases or something like that? 30,000, I thought. 30,000 bottles. 30,000 yeah. sold. You it's didn't buy one. Number. I hear it clearly. I hear it clearly. You didn't order one, and I didn't either. Yeah, but it's a big number. It's a big number. So if, if, if you know, he could show that it could be done, you know, everybody can sell stuff through Twitter, just like people sell stuff through Instagram today. I, I think it's great if he can do it. I just, I guess I'm skeptical. I've, I've, I've followed Twitter for years. Um, don't like the stock, don't like the company, don't like the culture. And yet he's going to fix that to your point. You know, he's going to have to bring in somebody who's really strong willed, who can break a culture, change things and do it without Elon getting too involved. Because if Elon gets too involved, the person, what do you need me for? I think he'll get some of the old PayPal band doing it, maybe even with Jack. Um, mm. because the, and, and the, I do believe the main revenue driver will be um, the payments over Twitter, because people will yeah. use Twitter. I mean, honestly, I'm on Twitter hours per day. And I'm certainly not the, the normal, you know, not the right ra ra uh, age range, not whatever. And people are so spending so much time on Twitter where they just tweet, but don't do anything else. And there's so much more that can be done on Twitter on which you can make money. Yeah. I how still be, many, I still how struggle. Many do you think your average, if they have 230,000 uh, monetizable daily active users, how much do you think is a good target for Twitter to try to get from people like yourself per year? It's not a question of how much would I pay to subscribe to Twitter, because I would. I don't mind paying five or ten bucks being on Twitter. And even if I can pay, pay a little bit more to have a blue check mark, I'd even pay a little bit more. That's not the thing. I would use Twitter for other things. For example, at the moment on Facebook, you can pay, right? You can send money left and right, and they make money on that. You can use Venmo for it. If you can suddenly do that with Twitter, for example, I have... Not that I'm making any money of this, but I have a tip function because I'm not doing any YouTube or whatever. So people wanted to tip me. So I asked me, can you please put a Twitter tip up there? So I did. I got 120 bucks, 130 bucks now. So I'm not getting rich on Big that balling. one. As soon as, as soon as I have enough, I'll buy one Tesla share. That's another joke. But anyway, but if that could be, if that could be not linked to Venmo or something else, because Venmo is getting money out of that, right? Sure. When people tip me. And, and I just think there's so many other payment functions that could be linked there. The other one is YouTube. YouTube monetizes yes. 
all the time. I mean, Fawzat knows very well how much money he's making on, on YouTube, right? So if that can all be staying within Twitter, because we're all a Twitter crowd, we're on YouTube because that's the current platform for it. But if that can all stay yeah. on, you won't feel it, you don't pay it, but Fawzat's money yeah. will come from Twitter rather than from, uh, from YouTube. That's how I think about Twitter's potential is that I really think the multimedia aspect of that platform has been completely forgotten about. And it's just been sort of a platform for ideas. And that's where Elon's involvement and the team he's going to build around it is really going to be, you know, the way I think about it is when Elon builds something, it's always uh, five or 10 steps ahead of the competition. So why mm -hmm. wouldn't that be the case with a social media company? And again, it's a lot of like, hey, like, let's let's trust that he's going to be able to do this. But if you look at every single industry that he's been taking a part of it's always something about that product or service that's way different than everything else that makes it uh, creates a separation it's not just like hey this is just a a car that you can go from point a to point b it's a multimedia machine that's using a branded exactly. propulsion you know method you put the and finger on it you know that's it it's that's it that's because he change. looks he yeah. looks at the Facebook model. He sees the good thing into the, I mean, I hate Facebook, but there's stuff that they monetize very well. For, ex for example, the Facebook groups is really something where they can make huge money on. The second thing he looks at is YouTube. YouTube makes money. It's a huge money machine. It's the biggest money machine out today in, in, in Google. And he takes all these aspects and brings them to Twitter. And it's not even that complicated because technology exists already. You just have to combine it here rather than let the users leave and now suddenly go to YouTube or to Facebook or whatever exactly. to do that stuff. There is really so much to be done. I, I can fully see it. And that's nothing that you as the user pay now. You currently pay it uh, indirectly because you either pay YouTube premium or you got the ads. But th the same system can work here. Right. Okay. Well, let's see. I I'm skeptical because <laughs> because it, all those examples you did those are media business ad business with people that grew up in the media business, whether it be social media or advertising, and that's what they live for. Elon doesn't live it. Elon's a technology guy. He lived guy. PayPal. He lived PayPal, and that's the same model. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And, and look, and PayPal, maybe that'll pay the bills. I'm just saying he's starting with a business. That is generating at best five to six hundred million dollars of free cash flow year, EBITDA less CapEx, and he's got interest expense of a billion three, right? Where we are today. Now we may hear in the next sure. couple of days he's gotten enough third party equity, he doesn't have to have that much debt, but he doesn't have that much room or he's gonna have to keep coughing up more money. That's all I'm bringing up. And yeah, I just I just look at his and he said it yesterday on the call. He's an engineer, he's a technology guy, he, he loves products. But that's not necessarily what's going to build Twitter into what you're describing. To me, which brings me, which I brings disagree. me to my <laughs> to my daydream, which brings me to my daydream that he puts a CEO in in charge of Tesla so he can look only after what he's really loving to do. That would be you my would really like that? You would really like if he was oh, yes. no more involved with Tesla. No, no, no. Involved, yes. The whole product development, the same thing that he does for SpaceX. Do you think SpaceX would work without Elon? Of course it doesn't. He's he's behind every new idea. He's there sorting them out. He's, of course, he will do the same for Tesla, but I don't want him to be burdened with that CEO function. I just think that CEO function is is so out of it. And then he, he hates can, it. You know, he's been open yeah, about he it. He hates it. And it. I, I just think somebody a little bit more measured less less noise whatever would do it and he can then much freer more, act more, on everything. more time on twitter no more time on stuff he loves rather okay. than having to me he does that i'm telling you a lot of institutions would not like that but i, I mean do you tell us you tell us they hate him and now no, you tell no, them they, they wouldn't like 
if they're in the stock, that means they believe in him. You know, he's a visionary. He's got great ideas. He's a great leader. He inspires people. Okay. But that doesn't mean that um, he should like, you know, buy some things and try to fix them. I, I want him to focus on the EV business. That's why I own Tesla. I don't own Twitter. I don't want him but to spend the EV business. The EV, the EV business is up and running and doesn't need Elon on a day-to-day -day basis anymore. The EV okay. business, the, the bot business, yes. And if we go to artificial intelligence, that is a major step where his input will be very mm -hmm. but but even the bot business, I have the feeling this is really the, the team we saw on AI day two. I was really impressed. I, I do believe there is already a dynamic that's beyond him. And he actually intervened very little there. Did you did you notice how he just let them present and let them do it? I don't think Tesla gets to the size unless they're like filled with rock stars, right? I think I think Elon's percentage of influence over time has become less and less. And although mm -hmm. I think it's important to have him as the face of the company, I do think I agree with Gary from that standpoint is that it's important that he's still sort of the face, kind of like SpaceX is quote unquote run by uh, Shotwell. But Elon's doing all the presentations, but Shotwell's doing all the day to day. If there's some sort exactly. of a similar thing with Tesla, to me would be ideal. Um, yeah. But I'm curious. So, so Gary, like, say, say he does, say a new CEO gets announced uh, next quarter, Q1 23. Does that change the way you think about the company, or is it more complex yeah. than that? No, I, look, I, <laughs> I don't know if we would get out because of that, but we would be very negative if he pointed somebody else to run Tesla. <clears throat> you've got they will sell if they're lucky a million four units this year we have them growing to about 10.8 million by 2030 he's telling people 20 million okay and think about all the stuff that's going on you've got all the competitors that were asleep at the switch for the last five years have suddenly said okay we need to put all of our resources behind evs and they're advertising and they got pr machines and you know they're spending tons and tons of money on r d and capex They've never had that. And, and advertisement of cars that don't exist and probably will never exist, but go ahead. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. But you've got more competition and, and I would say better competition than you've ever had. And to have, you know, somebody who, and I, I can't see that person today within Tesla to bring in somebody from the outside and say, you're now going to run the organization if that's what it's going to be. I think that would be very difficult for institutions to swallow. So I want him because he is a great leader and he did create this from scratch. I want him to continue to run Tesla, the EV business, and find somebody really strong to, to run Twitter. And he could, you know, he could have, you know, his 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 say in it. And, you know, they'll have a board. It'll be a private company. But I would much rather him do that than step down as CEO and let somebody else run Tesla. But and doesn't that contradict you? But doesn't that contradict your your claim that there's a key man risk and you want a strong number two? Yeah, bring in a number two, but he still stays number one. I, I have no problem. I can't even tell you. But who. he will be number one even if he doesn't. It's called CEO. Look at SpaceX. He's number one, and he's not the CEO. Yeah, I, I get that. But I would argue that in his wealth, uh, the EV business called Tesla is far more important than SpaceX right now. I mean, it's a bigger part of his wealth. And he's got a strong team that's running SpaceX. I, I grant you that. But I just want him to continue to run Tesla, the EV business during this very, very competitive time. And maybe in three to four years, he'll have Cybertruck out. He'll have the, the $30,000 car out. Full self-driving will be out there. You know, maybe the bot will be out there. Then I think he get, but there's just so much going on right now, Tesla. I just think to, today would be the wrong time for him to step down. It, but bringing in a number two, that would be great. More, 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 
more uh, resources for the team. He just doesn't have that today. Yeah. Well, I think we're not that far off because what you want is a number two and what I want is somebody doing the admin stuff. So that could probably be the same solution, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't view CEOs as doing admin. That's what they call a COO, a chief operating officer. They do a lot of the admin stuff. And Elon is the leader. He's the product guy. You know, I think at some point, I, I think you've said this too, at some point they will find they have to advertise. At some point they're going to have to have PR. You know, so the marketing machine, that, that, that he, he's very good at that stuff. He just doesn't like it, but but he's good at it. And the product innovation, he's going to continue to drive. And you let some admin person, you know, do the admin stuff. I think that's yeah. that's good. That, that And that's what a COO does. That's what Tim Cook did for years, you know, yeah. with Steve Jobs. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that Apple has done as well as it has with, with Tim Cook. But, you know, he probably learned a lot watching Tim Cook. And I, I think that the person, if they come in, who's a really good number two, you know, like Sheryl Sandberg was at, was at Facebook, she could learn a lot from him. And then ultimately, if, if she's the person, you know, could take over, you know, in four or five years when when a lot of this big stuff is, is already done. But you got to mm -hmm. get the truck out. You got to get self-driving mastered where it's not just level two. And I'd be interested in what you guys thought about his comments yesterday about it, because the analyst kept going. Is it going to be level, level four, level five? And he wouldn't say yes. He just kept saying, well, you know, when I drive, there's very few instances where I have to intervene, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's level two. You know, are you going to get that's very different from robo taxi where it drives itself? So the question is, you know, when is that going to be mastered where it's a level, level four, level five system where you can actually get regulatory approval? Because, as you know, in most states, California being one of them, it has to be level four, level five rated to be even given a license as a robo taxi. Yeah, and so we're not there yet, and that's a big thing that has to get done. Um, the bots looks like a big thing that you know he wants to work on. That's good. Um, Cybertruck, the thirty thousand dollar car, you know, and and in in the face of all this competition, that's a big job, still. So what I heard on the call was that this year he was confident that they'll have level four this year and for sure next year. Is didn't what I heard on that. the call. I think that. I think I was quite confident he did because he was it was somebody that was asking the question. I'll look it up after the call just to make the sure. The was growing. Yeah. The analysis. So does that mean level four, level five? And he kept going back to qualitative. Well, it'll be able to drive itself. You know. I may have misheard, but I was I, I thought mm. I, I thought it was quite clear. But I'll, I'll go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, there was another thing I wanted to bring up, but I forgot. Uh, Alexander, I'm not sure if I know you have a list of questions too, but I wasn't sure. If there yeah, was I, I still yeah. before we go to the the macro elements and headwinds that may still, you know, move the market as a whole and, and Tesla being in, impacted by that. Uh, I still want to go back to to your expectations now for, for fourth quarter in 2023. So you said your delivery is now 440, was that, or 435? 430. We're 430, which is about 43% year-over-year growth. Um, you know, and again, based on what Zach, who does have credibility, said last night because he's viewed as conservative. When he said that, you know, they could get to just under 50 percent, that means to me he's thinking, Zach's thinking 470, 480. That would be 47, 48 percent, you know, which is just under 50. Now, you have people like Adam Jonas at 400. Troy, obviously, is at 400. I think the whisper number among the buy side is about 400. So if they can do 470 or 460, that would be a huge beat they can get there and look the good mm -hmm. news about this is we get tesla numbers every month we could see registrations and, and figure out if they're on track or not um but yeah i'm at i'm at 430 for fourth quarter 
Um, and next year for two million or not up to? Oh, I'm above two million. I'm at about two yeah. three, which is probably too high, because the way mm -hmm. I'm doing it is um, China. I'm sorry, Berlin and Austin get you know pretty ramped up. They'll announce that you know there's an expansion in China. So if China's at let's call it one one today, it could be one three one four. You know, so I can I can get to two three if I wanted to, but I'll probably have to take my numbers down. The street right now, I looked it up. The street's at about just under 2 million for next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I remember. You got your question, Fazad? Uh, no, I just completely blanked on it. But <laughs> I was I do, just I checking think... the market. Yeah, I just exactly. want to call it out because the market just closed. Uh, 207.28, uh, down 6.65%, uh, up 0.06 in the aftermarket. But I just wanted to bring it up just to make sure folks could see yeah. it. Um, yeah, so it looks like the the Watch the quarter three overhang <laughs> kicked in today, and uh, yeah, so I'm curious to see what it, what uh, what the rest of the week brings. And once we do open on Monday, I am curious to see if Elon will. I think it'll be quite obvious that if Elon has to sell shares, we'll see it on Monday. This is kind of what I'm thinking because every time every time there was the form that came out where Elon had sold shares, I mean that previous day was a complete disaster. So I think it'll yeah. be quite obvious if that happens again on Monday because I believe. I mean, I don't know if you all agree. With this or not but i believe sort of the the hurt from the quarterly report is probably priced in by now i would guess and so any sort of yeah. big negative move downwards especially next week my gut would tell me is related to elon selling shares but i don't know if you'll agree with that or not. i mean well, five billion is not that much right do you consider this no. a lot gary no it's yeah. one percent of float so you know the old rule of thumb would be if it's one percent of float and you're trying to do it in a day you know you might lose two percent um, when he sold shares in the past, it's been like seven, eight billion, usually over a day or two. And it's been, look, he does it. He lets Jared or the private wealth office sell it, which is crazy. That's not the way people usually sell shares. They usually call Morgan Stanley or Goldman, sell it as a block trade, and they work it down. And, you know, they do their own hedging. I don't know why he doesn't do that. And, and I, because everybody sees him when he's in Because there they want money for it. Because they want to be paid for it. Yeah, but you're taking a bigger hit because you're selling it at a worse price. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, he might have to pay them some fee, but it's tiny compared to the hit he's taking because he gets bad execution. Everybody can see when he's selling. And so yeah. I would rather pay the fee and have great execution than you know, the way he's been doing it the last couple of times. So I agree with you, Farzad. I think if, if Monday is when the, you know, the actual um, trading window opens, we'll see it first thing if he's selling. But I'm hopeful, and again, this is new news because I've heard from two people today that were approached by him um, about, you know, do you want to invest in Twitter? Yeah. Maybe he can raise some assets. Maybe he can get some some new third party equity in there where he doesn't have to sell um, five billion. Mm. And five billion is kind of a weird number because what I did is I looked at the um, June quarter 10Q, which there was about 765 million shares, and I added all the RSUs. And a lot of people are leaving Twitter, so who knows if that RSU number is correct. And then I back out what Elon owns, which is about 73 million, and that leaves me with about 41 billion. Then he's got the LBO debt, he's got the 15 billion he's already raised, he's got the third party pits. So that's how I come up with 5 billion. There are other people out there with numbers from 8 to 10 billion. And then there is also this talk about, well, should he have $13 billion of LBO debt because the interest expense on an LBO debt is 30%, 40% higher than it was. And Twitter's mm -hmm. even has come down. And so there is talk that maybe he would try to get that, that LBO debt down to say six or something 
just to give them more maneuvering room. And look, if I'm a third party equity investor, I would probably be asking Elon to do that. You know, I would want to get that debt down lower than where it is. So we just don't know <laughs> what's going to happen between now and next Friday. I, I, I do believe they'll close the deal by Friday. You know, Twitter stocks acting like it's going to get closed. So I think mm. we haven't heard anything from the banks that say that it's not going to happen. Um, it's at 5244. I can see far as you're looking at it. Yeah. I just think, you know, we, we don't know enough about what his margin balance is or, you know, whether he can raise, to your point, Alexandra, if he could raise another three to four to five billion dollars from third party investors. We so just then- want to be invested with with Elon because you know he'll remember when let's say SpaceX goes goes public or something right. I don't know. Cool. I mean, uh, it just doesn't was- seem to me such a big. Uh, such, uh, sorry, just to finish this up. No, it just doesn't seem yeah. to me such a big amount to to really think this is still overhanging. I mean, I would all be relieved if they would just come the tweet saying we're done, we're closing, and next Thursday we're you know this is it. I'm taking over. This is the new CEO of Twitter and. And I mean, he actually said he wanted to be the first six month CEO. No, wasn't that that in, in May yeah. or something like that? Yeah. But, I, but again, you would hope that he's been interviewing people, you know, <laughs> I love it. How I, you always I, hope. I don't want him on Twitter. I, I just think <laughs> we that heard that. It's just, <laughs> it's not why I invested in Tesla so that he could run Twitter. You know, you can't, you can't have four jobs forever. And I know he, look, he's done a great job with SpaceX and Neuralink and boring, but you know, if, if you put them on a chart, say which one of these is different? Twitter's different because Twitter's an ad business. The rest are engineering, technology-driven, and Twitter is not that. Twitter is an ad business. Ninety-two percent of the revenues come from ads. And yeah, he could get more fees and more payments and stuff like that, but it's still at heart an ad business. That's the I mean, core of what it does. whether he is whether he is a CEO of Twitter or not. No, this is gonna for for a couple of weeks be windy to say the less the least because you know there will be Trump readmitted or Jay-Z uh, uh, readmitted or whatever there will there'll be stuff happening that will always bring Elon up and 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 you know maybe even but, but I just wish people you know the market would understand that not everything that happens on Twitter has any impact on Tesla. And and that's the one message I really would like people to understand that you know Tesla is executing now and much better than any competitor and nearly where they dreamt to be, close enough to really consider and give them give them the credit to it. But Fazad, you wanted to have some questions. Yeah, no, I, w- I just wanted to double check and see if you had any other ones on your list you wanted to hit. I put a, I posed the thing in the comments, but the, the other one, point that I want to make, and I know we have about seven to 10 minutes left here, but um, what I'm curious to see is if if we go into, say, this environment where the Fed rates are, I just want to close out my thoughts here, if the Fed rates continue going up, and then we do hit a recessionary environment, and then we have, call it the rest of the auto market, especially in the US starts to and in Europe starts to suffer and it becomes really, really obvious in their quarterly statements that, hey, these these companies are not performing nearly as well as, say, a Tesla. Then you have a Tesla that has a lot of free cash flow generation to the future. They have buybacks. They have new products coming out. I wonder if there's going to be sort of this dynamic of flight to quote unquote safety to Tesla versus the, you know, every other company in the industry. 
Uh, and I'm curious to see if that becomes a dynamic here that, that might appear. And again, this is just me sort of thinking in the future. I'm, mm-hmm. It's, you know, just trying to extrapolate out. But uh, and I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. But that's sort of what I'm curious to see if, if, if it starts sort of developing, because if yeah. the, the statement of, hey, ICE cars are becoming are, are it's clear that they're going out of favor and everyone else is going into EVs and the governments are heavily subsidizing EVs, it really becomes a question. Are there companies out there that can capitalize on those uh, incentives and are they able to ramp quick enough because if they're not the gap theoretically should begin to widen quite a bit and then you'll have even a a bigger differentiator between call it a tesla and yeah. every other manufacturer right so, so I don't know. That, I don't is, know. Your, is that from a hypothesis that you think investors who would, would, would not buy ford or jim but they would buy tesla says that your correct. hypothesis correct see, i don't think i don't know i i don't see that it's a very different type of investor who buys tesla versus ford gm stellantis volkswagen those stocks all traded five to six times. The, the people who buy those are value investors. People mm-hmm. who buy Tesla are growth investors, and they, they usually don't cross over. You know, people who are growthy, you know, they'll buy Rivian. Um, they might buy Lucid, but they're not going to buy GM or Ford. Even if they're generating, say, $30, $40 billion in cash a year, it's still not considered value from that no. perspective? It's a valuation issue. It's a valuation issue. It's valuation. Yeah. Okay. Tesla on, you know, street earnings for next year, you know, is still trading at, you know, let's call it 35 times. That's still viewed as pricey for your average value investor when they're paying six times, seven times for Ford or GM. That'd be like David Einhorn, who owns, I think he owns GM or maybe owns Ford. Would he suddenly buy Tesla? No. You know, it's just okay. not what he's going to do. I, I, I do I believe, think. yeah, I do believe that you rather have people thinking the big growth story of Apple is over let's switch mm. to Tesla, then yeah. people upgrading or upgrading is not even the right word. But I, and I don't also believe that people that are going sectorial, you know, like I'm in the auto, this is my 15% of the portfolio that's in the auto. Not sure they understand that, you know, Tesla is, is not it. a car company. And, and so it's more like a it. fang, like the fang folks will start mm-hmm. potentially looking at Tesla. Okay. Yeah, even okay. even Amazon, you know, I mean, Amazon obviously t- today may hit grow not hit uh, the growth targets anymore and then these people may come to come to tesla when i was working you know i'm working on this letter to warren buffett i'm not very far yet i'm changing it 50 times already because i want to get it right but one of the things that when i was looking at his portfolio i mean he has so much apple now he would be crazy not to to take half that position and put it in tesla because there's just so much more there i mean will i get him ever to consider that because he still considers Tesla much too early in the cycle. But um, he came so late into Apple in 2016. I mean, how can you miss Apple up to 2016? It's just incredible. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but you're um, right. The, the people who would go into Tesla are growth investors who, to your point, are not as enamored as they used to be with, you know, let's say Google or Meta mm-hmm. or other social media or, you know, Apple or NVIDIA because it's becoming more commoditized. It'd be those people who are looking for somewhere to put their cash. It's not the guys in the value space. And that brings me to a comment I just saw from Hans. They may buy a Tesla bond before they buy the Tesla stock. Yeah, but they usually don't intersect either. The equity people and the bond people, surprisingly, unless they're running a balanced portfolio, 60-40, they usually don't really interact that much. I mean, usually they're in different departments. Like if you go to a T. Rowe Price, I mean, they may talk to each other, but Equity people and bond people are just very different. Yeah. Like growth people and value people are really different. <laughs> yep, yep. I told it's you my old, my old my old CEO said that um, 
you know, value people bank on reversion to the mean. They just assume reversion to the mean, where growth people pray for no reversion to the mean. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. very true. It's very true. That's very helpful. Uh, I know we got a couple minutes here left. I, I might just be able to throw one question up here. But um, yeah, why don't you I, go ahead? Yeah. If I uh, really appreciate everyone's. I know saw some super chats. Thank you all. I just wanted to prioritize the full of the conversation. That's why they're bring them up. But I really appreciate you all uh, chipping in. A uh, question from Tony. Uh, what do you think of Tesla starting a freight service to vertically integrate with the semi truck? And I think this is a very interesting question because while I was working at the company in the distribution network, I was dying to get my hands on a semi because one of our biggest bottlenecks was logistics. My God, if we could have our own drivers, you know, and then start leveraging those. So what have you guys thought about that at all? Does is that part of the equation for y'all? Is that something that you think about from a modeling perspective? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Or is that just completely not part of the equation? I mean, I I, I don't think that the, using their own semis is going to solve the big problem. The big problem today is obviously the ships going from China to Europe. Um, and I heard actually yesterday somebody explaining that these ships have to come back empty. You know, mm -hmm. they can't be used for anything else and then reload it again. So usually one ship can only do one trip per quarter. So if you really want to increase the number of cars that you bring from China to Europe or, or somewhere else, you just have to find these huge ships and there are just not so many around anymore. Then I thought I was cute proposing to them that they should put it to the on the rail now. But then people are obviously more clever than me. They explained to me it's going through Russia and you don't want to have hundreds and thousands of Teslas sitting on a train going through Russia these days, which is probably the right attitude. So the, the big problem I don't think is semis in, in America. I think the big problem is the ships out of China. Got it. I guess, look, the way I look at Semi, it's it's a good product to have. It, even at 50,000 units per year, that's only 5% of revenue. And look, if they're going to vertically integrate, there's nothing wrong with buying into a freight company. It's not going to be a big number. So I guess I'm fine with it as opposed to them buying something totally unrelated, you know, like a Twitter or something. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> I can't get that excited because it's not that big a part of their business. That's all. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and let's do Bring one more, more kind of tied to the other uh, sort of discussion. What? How do you think about how do you think Tesla compares with Amazon? As Amazon is still tra trading at a hundred trailing twelve months PE, while Tesla is like sixty five. Uh, I can't understand that? this. I I just I can't. I I don't know whether you have any explanation. I look at this and think this is crazy. Yeah. Well, and I don't I don't look at trailing. Nobody looks at trailing twelve month numbers. So let's look forward. On street numbers, Amazon's trading at 48 times next year. And, you know, it's that's that's not even right because that's gap earnings. Um, so people are looking for 324. So it's trading at about a little less than 40 times next year's earnings. And Tesla, Tesla. on street, street numbers, hold on, it's probably 30-ish, right? Because it went yeah. down today. No, 30, yeah. Um, Streets at 580. So yeah, it's probably a little bit less than that. Um, I don't like Amazon. I mean, Amazon to me has terrible service. I just I just find it a it's a it's a terrible product. And you got Target and you got Walmart and everybody else. It's kind of caught up with Amazon. So I've never been a fan of Amazon, and yet it hasn't cracked yet. And every quarter it seems like they reduce estimates mm -hmm. for the following quarter. I, I just think at some point it's gonna get nailed. I just it hasn't happened yet because the sales numbers keep coming down. I mean, people are looking for revenue growth, just to kind of give you, for instance, uh, was seven in first quarter, seven, right? You know, compared to Tesla, which is still putting up, you know, big volume numbers. 
seven percent in the second quarter. Street's looking for fifteen in the third quarter because that's what they guided to. But it seems like every quarter they have to take their numbers down. So exactly. I'm not a fan of Amazon. I'd much rather own Tesla. And if, look, if they miss, that's going to be the type of investor who goes into Tesla. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, I think we're at time. Um, anything else from y'all? Any any thoughts? Any comments? Closing thoughts? Anything? Just if you find what we're saying is useful, I would appreciate if people help us out on FFND, straight on New York Stock Exchange. And um, I had to put that advertisement in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it, you did well, and you got all my endorsement. I mean, I got my money in FFND, so you watch out for my money, Gary. We're trying. <laughs> you know, today was not a good day because Tesla's our largest position. It was down 6.5%, but, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get it back as the Twitter overhang lifts. And if anybody knows where that T-shirt is, somebody sent me a copy of a T-shirt, which I thought was good. I can't find it. It had a little Tweety Bird. It was blue, and they were holding two glasses of wine, and they had a big belly, and... If anybody knows who sent that to me or has it, I would love to find out. Yeah, let's find that Twitter bird. Yes. Horror. I was trying bird. so yeah, hard for the last, cute. like, uh, before we went on, I was trying so hard to find that damn, because I, I could have sworn it was in one of the tweets that was replied to, and I'm going through, like, your replies and my replies. I'm like, I can't find this damn thing. So It was the yellow uh, bird, right? It wasn't the blue bird. It may have been yellow, but it should be blue because Twitter's bird is blue. Sure. I would... I yeah. would make it blue if we were going to have a T-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> so, lastly, just a quick up plug as well for Alexandra here. Alexandra, you can find her on yeah. on Twitter at Tessa Boomer Mama. Definitely follow both Gary and Alexandra. Definitely uh, check out FFND on the New York Stock Exchange, Gary's Fund. And yeah, thank you both very much. Uh, a great, oh, look, we just got a $50 super chat. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. You have to pay to me dinner. You know Tesla. that? You know that I'm you have creating to pay me this dinner. fund. <laughs> I have an Alexandra <laughs> fund. You're going to get a really nice steak dinner. <laughs> I like There's going to be a lot of wine. Applebee's. Yeah, that's right. We're going to Applebee's, baby. <laughs> Gary, so always much. generous. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Take care. Right. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, everybody. Right. We'll see you on the next one. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye, guys. And broadcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.